Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest lecture. And this is going to be a talk on hepatoma. What I'm going to focus on this talk is just a description of hepatoma in terms of CT, how we optimize detection, what the various appearances are, and how you could differentiate hepatoma from other hepatic lesions, both malignant and benign. This is a new talk, and I think it's going to be two parts, so stay tuned, and let's get started. A number of articles, this article just a few months old, Hepatoma is the most common primary liver malignancy worldwide. It's one of the few malignancies in which specific imaging findings alone without tissue diagnosis is considered adequate to proceed with, a, with further clinical management. Uh, accurate diagnosis is critical, and you obviously don't want to confuse a hepatoma with a benign process. The article mentions, unfortunately, definitive diagnosis of hepatoma can occasionally be a diagnostic dilemma owing to the occasional overlap of hepatoma imaging features with additional lesions such as dysplastic nodules, benign neoplasms like hepatic adenoma or FNH, and we can argue about hepatic adenomas in a little bit, and other malignancies which require a different approach. Also at times, metastasis versus primary tumor can be a challenge. So let's look at some of the SEER data. How common is uh, hepatoma? Well, liver and intrahepatic bile duct cancers are 42,000 new cases a year in the United States, 30,000 deaths. It represents about 2.4% of all new cancer cases in the U.S. is the 13th most common cancer. When you look at the age range, you can see the spread. It's an older population with the mean age being 65. It does seem that every tumor we look at, the mean age is 65. The rate of new cases is more common in men. It's common in both black and white males. It's interesting, some of the highest numbers in American Indian and Alaskan Native populations, both on the male and female side. Of course, a lot of this relates to the presence of hepatitis C. What about five-year survival? The overall survival is just under 20%. Of course, it will depend on the timing of the diagnosis and the management. And management can range from anywhere from resection to embolization to liver transplant. Now, obviously, the percent of survival will be dependent on the, the patient's scaling. So, for example, localized tumor confined to the primary site uh, does better than patients with regional or distant metastasis. So, again, that will be a big difference. It's interesting that in the U.S., the incidence of hepatoma has increased since the 1980s. Hepatoma detection in an early stage through surveillance and curative therapy has improved the five-year survival. In patients who have higher risk, screening is something that is being pushed by a number of the different societies. Now, hepatoma is a common cancer, in this article by Tang, and a leading cause of worldwide mortality. The geographic distribution of hepatoma reflects the distribution of hepatitis C and hepatitis B, which are the two major etiologic risk factors worldwide. Cirrhosis is a marker of cumulative liver damage and its presence places patients at increased risk for hepatoma. So we know that. When we look at patients with cirrhosis, we're gonna be extra careful looking particularly for smaller lesions. Now this article also goes on beyond hepatitis B and C. There are a number of additional risk factors and here's just a list of them. Uh, excess alcohol consumption, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is becoming more important, a family history of hepatoma, obesity, diabetes, and smoking 
are all increased risk factors. But again, this chronic changes of cirrhosis, chronic hep C, chronic hep B, all become very, very important. And that's why some of the new medications that can treat people with hepatitis have become so important and potentially can lower the numbers of patients with hepatoma long-term. In this article by Alenzi for imaging diagnosis of hepatoma, we talk about uh, the late arterial phase, the most critical phase. An ideal late arterial phase depicts both the hepatic artery and early portal venal pacification. Without hepatic venal pacification, arterial images acquired too early or too late really aren't very helpful. The key imaging finding of hepatoma is that arterial phase map. Now, when you get past hepatoma, other big tumors, cholangiocarcinoma is second most common primary tumor. Cholangios are more frequently seen in patients with primary sclerosing cholangitis, often seen in association with inflammatory bowel disease, and in the rest of the world with parasitic infections. There are other risk factors, including cirrhosis and diabetes. Now, cholangiocarcinomas often have intrahepatic duct dilatation. Hepatomas typically do not, so that can be helpful. And cholangios occasionally are vascular, but typically not as vascular as hepatoma. There are other unusual tumors, angiosarcoma, epithelioid hemangioendothelioma. They're pretty rare. Angiosarcoma, less than 2% of tumors. Uh, typically, some unusual history exposure to polyvinyl chloride, radium, and arsenic. Angiosarcomas are very vascular and very aggressive, and the survival is indeed very poor. We then look at the age ranges. Remember, we said hepatoma is age 65. If you're a child, hepatoma would be rare, but hepatoblastoma is the most common malignancy. It's unusual. Generally, hepatoblastomas are large masses, right lobe, heterogeneous enhancement in the arterial phase with washout, and they usually have a capsule or pseudocapsule present. Hepatic epithelioid angiomyolipoma is a very rare tumor with a low malignancy rate, but those are uncommon tumors and typically the diagnosis is really based on pathology. Now, we talk about hepatoma and cirrhosis, as I mentioned, and hepatitis B and hepatitis C, but it's important to remember that 20% of hepatomas arise in patients without cirrhosis. And we mentioned some of these causes, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, including NASH, including anabolic steroid use, and patients with hepatic adenoma are all some of the causes where you see hepatomas in non-cirrhotic livers. That's uncommon, but indeed is very important. It's a very, very important diagnosis, so we need to remember that. Hepatomas in non-cirrhotic livers are often large solitary mass or a dominant mass with peripheral satellite lesions. Up to about 24% of cases in this one study had satellite lesions. Um, for the reason that these lesions are diagnosed later, they often have metastasis earlier. Hepatoma non-cirrhotic livers can invade the portal vein or hepatic veins in 15% of cases. Abdominal lymphadenopathy can be seen in about 20% of cases. So how do we do a CT scan? We distend the stomach and small bowel. We routinely do that up to 1,000 cc's of water. Then we inject between 100 and 100 ml of contrast Omni 350 or Visi 320, ideally at 5 cc's a second. We do dual phase imaging at 30 and 70 seconds post-injection. 
We do not do non-contrast scans. Way back when in cirrhotic patients, people would suggest non-contrast scans to look at the density, that it might be helpful in distinguishing regenerating nodules from hepatoma, but we can do that without non-contrast and we save dose and we don't do that. And delayed phase imaging can be helpful in select cases, perhaps with cholangios, as they can have a delayed enhancement, but routinely we're not doing delayed phase imaging. So how do hepatomas look? Here's a patient with mild parenchymal liver disease and a large hypervascular mass, modeled enhancement, maybe a small satellite lesion in the area just above the patient's tumor. You can see it here on the coronal view or on the MIP, the neovascularity of the tumor, and here's that second mass adjacent to it. Very classic hepatoma. Looks like you have a pseudocapsule. Here's again the importance of MIP imaging. I also want to make the point that we talk about arterial phase being critical for the diagnosis. The 3D mapping is very critical. People are showing how when you look at the vascularity, you can predict outcomes. You can predict how patients will respond to various chemotherapies. So that indeed becomes very important as well. You can see on the venous phase, the lesion is still seen, but it's becoming close to isodense. Again, the extent of the tumor is best seen arterial phase, but you can see how the lesion washes out. But if you saw it here, you have a scar, you might even think about a hepatic adenoma. You might think about a few different things, even cholangiocarcinoma. So that arterial phase becomes very, very important. On the venous phase, you can see here, we do appreciate the pseudocapsule and the 3D mapping, in this case with volume rendering, can be very valuable. We've also been looking at cinematic rendering. Here I've isolated the tumor with cinematic rendering, showing it to you very nicely. Now, in this case, you might have considered surgery perhaps for that dominant mass. You can see the feeding off the hepatic artery. You can see the neovascularity. You can see the mapping. Again, a very nice use of cinematic rendering and one that I think will be very valuable. We also can look at the texture and enhancement of the lesion and perhaps have some prediction based on that as well. The idea about texture mapping and radiomics is something I'll touch on at the end of this talk, but it's something that people are using as well. Again, preoperative planning, management, decision-making, and also in differential diagnosis, perhaps this will help us in more difficult cases. Another example, very similar to the prior case, the tumor's at the edge of the liver here, growing through the capsule. You can see there's ascites, there's cirrhosis. The tumors that grow through the capsule are gonna seed the peritoneal cavity, as in this case. You also can see what looks like satellite lesions, as we mentioned. These patients often will have multiple lesions present. Sometimes, as in this case, you can see very nicely when you look at the venous phase, you see more lesions present. And in this case, the biggest challenge is are all these lesions multifocal hepatoma, or as shown on the MIP, are some of these regenerating nodules? And I think what you're dealing with is a combination of regenerating nodules and hepatoma. Sometimes MR with contrast can be helpful, but it's often a very difficult diagnosis to make. Here's just a few more images showing you nodes in the porta hepatis, which is not uncommon, ascites, carcinomatosis, but the portal vein is patent. Since hepatomas occur commonly in patients with cirrhosis, one challenge is overcalling carcinomatosis. Patients with cirrhosis often have hypoproteinemia. They often have ascites, so you need to be careful and not calling simply ascites as carcinomatosis. 
And again, here's a few more views showing the portal vein, the SMV, and the vascular mapping. Another patient, severe cirrhotic changes in the liver. The liver is small and nodular. And you see by the caudate lobe, there's a three centimeter mass. When you have significant cirrhosis, it's very easy to overcall or undercall a hepatic tumor. This patient also has large varices. When you look at the MIP imaging, look how much more obvious the tumor is. So again, I've not seen any good studies and we haven't done them either, but sometimes things that are subtle on the axials are so obvious as in this case on the MIP. This is a classic two plus centimeter hepatoma. Here on the coronal, you can see branches of the hepatic artery feeding it. You can see the neovascularity, just a very nice example. And when you look a little bit further down, you can see the tumor on venous phase imaging is growing into and invading the portal vein. The patient also has large esophageal varices. This case is a nice example showing you that you don't need large tumors to see venous invasion. It really was the location near the portal vein and the tumor grew directly into the patient's portal vein. Now sometimes the tumors are so large, it's almost hard to tell. This is a patient with cirrhosis but look at this mass basically replacing the right lobe of the liver. You can see the neovascularity present. There's compression of the right kidney. Here it is with a few more views, very nicely showing you the neovascularity. Here it is as we go from the, uh, the routine axials to the MIP imaging. Look at that neovascularity. Now remember, we can see abnormal vessels with FNH, but it's a central feeding vessel. You can see abnormal vessels with hepatic adenoma, Often it's a feeding vessel as well, but you can see collateral vessels there as well. And remember, hepatic adenomas can become hepatomas. Cholangios, typically you see vessels displaced. You don't have the vascularity like this. Look at the AV shunting. That incredibly vascular tumor with AV shunting is a very bad sign. The more the AV shunting, the more aggressive the tumor is. And you could see it here, and MIP is very, very nice and people have been trying to come up with ways of grading this. So it's something to think about going forward. Here's the coronal view with the neovascularity. But one has to admit the dominant mass as well as the second mass in the inferior right lobe is best seen on these MIP images and the multiple other tiny lesions, several which were tumors, several which were regenerating nodules are all well seen. So again, the idea about fast injections, good timing, and post-processing is really nicely shown. Same case, now we're seeing some of the washout of the tumor, we're seeing some of the varices, and you can see as you go even MIP on the venous phase, you can see the peripheral vascularity, the compression, as well as the AV shunting, all very nicely shown. This case, there's little differential diagnosis. You almost could think about angiosarcoma because of the impressive vascularity, but this is good for a hepatoma in a cirrhotic liver. Here again are some later phase images, nicely showing you the mass. So again, axials, coronals, and 3D mapping with MIFIN volume rendering become very critical. And here's the portal vein being compressed, and there's some early portal vein involvement as well. Same patient. You see the textural change on the cinematic rendering of the tumor compared to the cirrhotic liver and to the spleen. Again, we're looking at textural change. Now, this is an obvious mass. Uh, the cinematic is not going to help you make the diagnosis. You will have made it already. But it does make the point of differentiating tumor from the texture of the liver, even cirrhotic liver, from the spleen. And again, here's a cinematic with the neovascularity.
the displacement of the vessels. And again, just think about the prior images I showed you with MIP and volume rendering. And you can see how the cinematic can also prove to be very valuable. Another case, very vascular hepatic mass, the patient has cirrhosis, patient has extensive ascites. Look at that neovascularity. And that neovascularity is classic for malignancy, obviously, and is classic for hepatoma. Very, very prominent neovascularity. It's a high-grade tumor. There's no doubt about it. Here it is with the MIP in the coronal plane. And again, you can see as the lesion washes out, you can see comparing the arterial to the venous, how those neovascularity begins to hide. You can see that here's the tumor. You see the difference in texture as you go from arterial to venous phase, this portal vein involvement. And again, tumor is infiltrating in low density. This is a tumor that the patient will do poorly because of the neovascularity and the fact it's a high-grade tumor. Another example, cirrhotic patient, hepatitis C. Look at this large mass projecting off the inferior right lobe. For a second, it almost looks like a neuroendocrine pancreatic tumor. But there it is here, it's coming off the liver, extensive neovascularity, central necrosis, stretching of the GDA, stretching of the hepatic artery, all nicely shown on the MIP imaging. Another example, cirrhosis, a six centimeter mass left lobe of the liver. Neovascularity is seen, portal hypertension with splenomegaly, and there you can see on the MIP the neovascularity. You can see the tumor a little bit better defined, and you can see that in the venous phase imaging, the tumor is hard to see. Hepatomas, if you only have venous phase imaging, can easily be missed. That's why the articles I quoted in the beginning make the point you need arterial phase imaging or you can miss things. Again, here's that arterial phase with both 3D, very nicely showing you the patient's tumor. A really good example and I'm showing you multiple images in these cases because I really want you to understand the various appearances, even in the same case, and showing you here how difficult it could be to see this lesion. I think you should recognize it. There's some textural differences compared to the rest of the left lobe. Looks like some dilated ducts. But when you have cirrhosis and portal hypertension, you need to be very, very careful. I mentioned before about pseudocapsules. Here's a good example. That's a classic thing for hepatoma. Look at the neovascularity. You can have well-defined lesions that I'll show you with hepatic adenomas or FNH, but that impressive neovascularity through the lesion, and you can see the feeding hepatic artery, really make the diagnosis. And again, cinematic, looking at the textural change, really showing you the lesion nicely. You look at this lesion, you say, gee, I should just be able to go in and resect it. And they will try because there were no other lesions present. And that would be a good idea in a patient like this. Again, the preoperative planning, making sure there are no additional lesions, looking at whether surgery can be done, looking at vascular involvement all becomes critical. Here's the venous phase in that patient on the cinematic. We can see that the tumor literally uh, has that pseudocapsule very nicely shown in, in that example. So it's a really good case at showing that. Another example right there, another set of images. Now, here's another case, multiple lesions. The patient has cirrhosis. Actually, the patient presented with GI bleeding had large rectal varices because of cirrhosis, and we picked up these two hepatic masses, which were biopsy-proven hepatoma. Again, important when you're looking at hepatic masses, 
to look, if you see one mass, particularly in a cirrhotic patient, look for additional masses that will impact therapy. And again, here's some of the MIP imaging, nicely showing you the varices that are present, also showing you how subtle this lesion is when you get to the venous phase imaging. Portal vein was patent, but the lesion, there it is on the image on your right toward the dome, it's subtle, but it's easily seen there. Another case, occasionally, lesions will have calcification. Here is some neovascularity, as well as some calcification in a 5.6 centimeter hepatoma. You can see image on your left how the lesion washes out, but the pseudocapsule still lets you see the lesion. So I showed you a case before where the lesion became isodense or nearly isodense. It's important to recognize they can, but most of the time I still think you will see the lesion if you're very careful. Proper windowing of the images become critical. And again, the MIP imaging, as in this case, really nicely shows you the neovascularity and makes it very simple to reach the right diagnosis. And here's just a few more images showing you the neovascularity. When you have neovascularity like this, you could think of angiosarcoma perhaps, but that's so rare. A cirrhotic patient, it's hepatoma. I'm not thinking about anything else. Another example, vascular lesion, underlying cirrhosis, nicely seen on MIP with the feeding vessel. There's the vessels, there's the pseudocapsule, and here it is nicely again isolating the lesion. So I'm showing you a range in a spectrum and then showing you how this lesion washes out. So that becomes very important, but you still see it well when you narrow the window. So you will have two cases or two chances to make the diagnosis, but I think if you see the lesion like this, it's hard to say it's a hepatoma. It's the vascularity that really makes it possible. So very important to have the right phases and that becomes critical. When people miss hepatomas, particularly on outside scans, it's usually due to poor protocol. If the protocol is done correctly, it's not hard to see these masses. So I've gone through a lot of cases. I have a few more pearls about hepatic masses, but let's take a few minute break and let's come back and we'll pick up from here. Be right back with part two. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website ctss.com for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.